you know, suffice to say it's a way, he tried to offer Sukadeva a way of thinking about the world, which the Purana overall is a way of thinking about the world that promotes the pursuit of Brahman and spiritual life. That's why I like to say the, 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 the sadhus are more concerned with the subjective side. They're not a, concerned with the objective side. They consider the primary forces to be dasya, sakya, vatsalya, you know, not gravity and electromagnetism and, and, and so forth. That's an interesting way of talking about it, but that's pretty much what the Bhagavatam is saying. And all, all, the, all the whole way it describes the... It's a sacred universe. The Bhagavatam is describing a sacred universe. It's full of consciousness everywhere. It's all full of symbolic meaning. The world comes and goes... It comes and goes, you know. It 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 expands, and plays out. Then it pauses, a long pause, and then it comes back again and tells you the same thing over over and over again. You can't stay here. Hmm? It goes, it stops. It goes, it stops. It's saying something to you, right? Hmm? It, that's you know. You can be kind of crude about it or simplistic. That's the way in which. It's been written. That's the way it's been taught. And it's hard to sort all the symbolism out and so because it's written a long time ago, you know, and it would m- make a little more sense. But, you know, if you, you look very carefully at it, you see this is what, why they're, why they're talking about the world and for what purpose and, and so forth. And the whole idea of the Bhagavatam, it's so different from the modern, you know, world. The whole idea is to transcend the world and so forth and that they're... And to promote the idea that you you know you, you're you're not of the world uh, you know you're not material and so forth, and that's a huge task. So that's the whole way the book's written. Hmm? And the more you enter into that, then then you can then you can live in the Kali Yuga. You can't prove that there's a Kali Yuga. I mean, according to the, if you want to say that this is a Kali Yuga, then you have to think, okay, then there was the Dwarpa Yuga and the Treta Yuga and so forth, and then you got people, you know, going back all the, you got advanced civilizations, and, and of course they can't find it archaeologically or anything like that, it doesn't make any sense, and they have their ways of dating and so forth, and, you know, they're pretty, you know, from an observable point of view, it's pretty, you know, compelling if you wanted to get into all that stuff, and then you go, what happened to the Kali Yuga, you know, what's the Sat, where the Sat Yuga just disappeared, you know, and so on and so forth. But if you really look at the Bhagavatam, it talks about other yugas, right? It doesn't say much about them, does it? It says very little bit about them. Hmm? All it's really about is Kali Yuga and this Kali Yuga. That's what it's really all about. That's when it's written, you know? That's the, that's the, the theory. The books are written for the Kali Yuga, you know, for, for now, you know? And it's a difficult time. And at the same time, there's a good opportunity you know, there's a silver lining, a golden lining, you know, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and you should take advantage of it and so forth. And this this way, and, and, and inside, and by thinking of the world in that way, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was located there, identified and fully understood. Hmm? We could look at him empirically, and like he was a person that appeared 500 years ago. He was pretty interesting, you know. He was, you know, maybe he had epileptic fits or what, as they as they think, or you could think he seemed to be an example of some type of mysticism and divinity, and that's pretty compelling. And you could go and try to explain Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like that and make a pretty compelling case for here's somebody that 
you know, as an example of what we want to be like and and this is why and so forth and so on. You could make a you know, a case like that. But they were you know, like Krishna's Kaviraj making the case for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's Kali Yuga Avatar in this particular Yuga and, and so forth. So kind of locating him inside of that sacred world, sacred universe and and so forth. And that's you can live in that, you know. So we as sadhikas, like somebody told me the other day, well, I don't believe in Kali Yuga. I said, well, yeah, that's okay. Rupa Goswami did. You didn't hurt him, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can, maybe you can't prove that, you know, there was one, in ter- there is one in terms of there previously was this one, the Dwarpa Yuga and this and that, and that's why you don't believe it because you looked at all the wreck. And so I, I can relate to that, why you might have a doubt about that, you know, if you want to go and examine all that stuff or you're exposed to that, you know, which, you know, uh, in, in some disciplines or education you might be more than, than than others and so forth but then at the bottom line I said like well Chaitanya Mahaprabhu you know believed in the Kali Yuga didn't hurt him you know so what do you want out of life you know so you can live in the Kali Yuga so to speak and the Yuga Dharma and it's really conducive to bhajan and to bringing out the reality of the self as being different from matter and beyond you know its potential in the world of consciousness, and so with which what Chaitanya Charitamrita is about, you know, the, not just the difference between the body and the soul, but all the possibilities that lie in the world of consciousness. What's the problem living in that world? That brings you closer to reality. Hmm? And then if you want to say, well, you know, yeah, it's a mythical world, you know, this and that, what, but is the self mythical? No, and if it's found there, hmm, is God mythical? No, and it, it more readily accessible through that, then what's more real? Hmm? And if the other pr- way of pursuing the world, understanding it and so forth, ends up in, in having the soul disappear and God disappear, and then, then there, what's the prospect of ever being happy, of ever being fulfilled, and in, in life having any purpose, any meaning? Where does that leave you? I mean, it's just like, it's a bad place. It's, it's a really, you know, un- undesirable and so forth. And either is it real. Hmm? So in, in, from that point of view, the whole empiric um, examination and presentation of the world is a total myth to us. It's just as much as our world is a myth to them, that world is a myth to us. So it depends how you, you want to look at it. When you look at it from gra- grounded, uh, you know, standing on the ground of being, that I am consciousness, and consciousness precedes everything. Hmm? And that's the ground that you stand on. And then you start reasoning from there. Then you're going to come up with a different whole way of talking about things and thinking about things. But it's real because it's grounded in, in reality. The other one is, is, <laughs> appears to be real, but it's not grounded in, in the reality of, of, of that consciousness is primary. And therefore, when they play it out fully in some of these disciplines, consciousness, they think consciousness shouldn't be there. It shouldn't even be there. You know, you want to say it's, well, you know, and look at consciousness. For example, they think of consciousness as being self, self-awareness that we find in human society where we start thinking of philosophy and why am I, whereas, you know, the, you know, the dog's not thinking, why am I, you know? So it's conscious, but it's not, doesn't have self-consciousness. And, and so then you think, well, then you think, well, okay, According to the theory of evolution, then things evolve out of a necessity for the survival of the species. So, what's the need for 
for thinking that I exist. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no evolutionary need, need for it, you know. It doesn't, doesn't quite fit in, you know. There's no, so they're thinking, it must not really be, it's not really, you know, it doesn't make any sense, you know. We have to figure out how it's, it's just an illusion, you know. And these are some of the things we were talking about last night. They, they, those disciplines, they think this, this idea of a self, it's just an illusion. It just doesn't, just doesn't fit, you know. So anyway, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's comfort in thinking, you know, of the, you know, making sense out of the Bhagavatam in the way I'm talking about it, instead of trying to make sense and say, you know, that, well, you know, we should replace everything. We should say, this is the empiric reality. You know, and 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 the observable empiric reality—you observed it wrong because you've got imperfect senses. You know, Prabhupada took that strategy at one point and emphasized on that, and 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 you know that's that works to an extent also, hmm? especially when there's less you know information, empiric information about about a particular topic. You can get away with that, so to speak, and get people on board to you know chant Hare Krishna. And 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 think, yeah, my senses are imperfect for, and, and reasoning is imperfect for for coming to comprehensive knowing. Shastra gives you know perfect, uh, it tells about Brahman and, what, and, and so forth. It all works. So there's there's a good. I think that I got a foundation in that from Prabhupada's teaching. You know that I was very, very valuable. Hmm? That you know this is the comprehensive way of knowing. Yeah. But then you know to take that. And continue entirely in a, in a in a in a kind of a literal sense along those lines. You're going to run into some problems in the modern world, you know, as time goes on in in preaching. So, if you look at prophecy, he was ready to shift gears whenever necessary to let's just keep the train going here. You know, yeah. Uh, would it is it non operad if one has a conception because I've been thinking about this recently. Uh, I had read one thing that the Goswamis, or one of the Goswamis, had mentioned that we don't we don't need to worry about the other Kali Yugas. You're here now. Yeah. It's not like Krishna. Lord Chaitanya only comes once in a day. You know. So you, you know. So my question is: Is it Nama Aparad if you consider all the urgency and all the all the the way? It's structured for us now, the Bhagavad, and the way it's structured that we are once in once in this day of Brahma, to give us the urgency to take to take heed of the message, and to you know to move forward in spiritual life because this is a very rare opportunity. Is it is is it wrong to think that perhaps the Acharyas have structured the Bhagavad? So that we feel this urgency. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It, 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 it's it's more or less saying, now's the time. Hmm. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Now's the time. Because again, there's no welcome. Dobja. Yakshamash. Uh, yeah. This. Uh, uh, there's no, you know, there's mention, like I say, there's other yugas and so forth. The information is very minimal. And then people want to, always want to, what about the other Kali yugas and so forth? There's even less information about that and so forth. It's all about right now. Hmm? And it's saying, 
like other like some other traditions say as well, now is the time, you know, this is the worst time and it's the best time at the same time, you know. It's uh, it's a, it's the worst time and then it's a time of a golden opportunity. So so then I mean that's the import of it. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is is it, 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 you locate him in this kind of sacred universe and you emphasize this point and take advantage now now's the opportunity, something so like that. If if you take that broad of vision, yeah. is it is it a blasphemy of the Vedic scripture? No, not at all. You're not, it's a not it's not a nom rod to think they made it sound this urgent so that we take advantage. Right, no, it's not a nom rod at all. It's 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 uh, it's a good uh, way of of It's not a of, blasphemy of the of the Veda. I think about it. No. No. You know, and, and, and the, the scriptures are written in in so many ways, in layers, and uh, and a lot of symbolism there. You know, so the, the prophet was not f- fond of talking about th- things in a symbolic way, mm-hmm. right. but for a reason. Mm-hmm. He well, tended to talk about things in a literal way, because he didn't want Krishna to disappear mm-hmm. into a metaphor or or something like that. And he was very much. You know the the uh, opposed to to Mayavad conception, where or uh, a Shunyavad conception where the, the deity disappears altogether. Alt In Mayavad, he's you know he's there for a while and he disappears and and so on and so forth. So he, you know he 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 took a very kind of literal position and tended to dismiss symbolic metaphorical ways of thinking about things that were hard to adjust. You know, in the modern modern world that we find in, in the scripture, that was his overall tendency, and there was a reason for that. Again, because he didn't want it, it, you can go with that too far, and Krishna disappears. Therefore, it's important for the devotees to learn how to stand on the ground of a chinti beta beta, because a chinti beta beta is a, is a, is a, is a, is a description of the ground of being, if you will, from the Gaudi perspective. That never allows Krishna to disappear. Indeed, Radha appears in it. Hmm? She makes her full, full. She becomes fully manifest in a chinti beta beta, not anywhere else. Philosophically, theologically speaking, she appears to some extent in the beta beta of Nimbarka and, and so forth and so on. But in the chinti beta beta, this is the whole, you know, <laughs> what do you say? Fourth, th- uh, third chapter, fourth chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Nadivila is what it's all about. Radha Krishna Pranay Vikriti Ladini Shakti Rasmad. Ekatmano Vapi Bhupuri Deham Bedogatoto. Chaitanya Kam Prakatam Madunata Dayam Chaikam Aptam Radha Bhavaduti Suvalitam Naomi Krishna Sarupam. Up to that point, he's been talking about Krishna. And Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan and Chaitanya Mahapu is the same Krishna and so forth. And, and there you are. You, you know, you, 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 if you. You you you're focusing on uh, on 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 Krishna. You look you look. Then he wants to say in this verse that I just cited. You look at Krishna. If you look real close, what do you see? Oh, I see like this. Like look closer. What do you see? Look closer. You see. Oh, I see. There's somebody else. There's Radha. It's one. You know, there's one and different. The two. It's that made a bed. Radha is one with Krishna different. And look closer. What do you see? What do you, the two again become one. You know, it's played out again in the Ramana Samvad. Hmm? Uh, 
Militatanu, you know, that this, uh, this uh, uh, Rasa, Rasa Raj Mahabhav union. So I- I there he's, what he's really saying, is he's giving this, this platform, this, this, uh, this foundation, this understanding of Advaigyan Tattva, Beda Beda, Chintu Beda Beda, Bhakti's taking precedence, Radha's taking precedence there, and so forth. Anyway, you get, if my point is you get grounded in this, then you can, then you are better able to think of the scriptures in terms of how it speaks symbolically or metaphorically and draw meaning from it and so forth without a risk of Krishna disappearing altogether because in the Chinti Beta Beta, if there's Radha's there, Krishna's there, there's Bhakti there, there's Krishna there, there's two and there's one at the same time and it's never going to go away. Hmm? You see the Goswamis writing about the Leelas differently, right? Like you read Gopal Champu, you read, you know, the the Bhagavatam, you know, and there's there are differences and so forth. What they're really doing is they're they're bringing out, which is what the Bhagavatam does more than any other sacred text, the feeling that fuels the Leela, the bhavas. That's why Jiva Goswami says at the end of Gopal Champu. So I'm, I've 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 detailed all the bhavas here. You know, pick which one you like and go for it. It's basically how he ends the book. Which, which one? Which one did you become attracted to? Go for that. And so he's t- found a way to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like you take the Batsalya Rasa, and the way in which Jiva Goswami, you know, uh, deals with the Dhammadar Leela and so forth. I mean, he's bringing out more than the Bhagavatam brings it out. You can you can start to understand what is Vatsalya Rasa, and it's so, it is so human-like and so otherworldly at the same time, and so forth with, with other leelas, you know, all the, 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 different, the different rasas and so forth. So it's very, very artful. And, it, it, you know, did it happen exactly, you know, that's what I'm saying, did it happen exactly like this? Did it happen exactly like that? Or was it in one yuga it happened exactly like this, in another yuga it happened exactly like that? You're missing what's really exactly happening. <laughs> what's really exactly happening is... Is rasa and it, it's, it transcends any kind of literal explanation, you know, and and and, and our tendency to want to get a complete, you know, handle on it in our head. It's exactly like this, and but then again, Prabhupada exemplifies it's exactly like this, you know, for you know for good for good reason and so forth. So, <laughs> so when you get you know grounded in that, then you can start to you know think about it in that way and 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 see, yeah, it is actually you know. a way of drawing, the whole idea is to draw from the text something that will give inspiration for my practice. Because the text itself does not do justice to what the experience is in as much as the whole experience transcends words as the text itself says. So in one sense, the text's only purpose is to somehow or other uh, to inspire us to take up the practices that are detailed therein hmm, and understand them better and so forth and, and, and enter there. Otherwise, its ability to talk about even the world hmm, is limited because the world is unlimited, the material world is unlimited from the, from the perspective of the, of the text. Like a guy asked me last night, what do you think, is there anything to the idea that everyone will become enlightened, there'll be a, you know, the veil will be lifted for everybody all at once? I said, everybody, <laughs> you know, everybody is, is an infinite. There's infinite jivas in the material world. Now that just doesn't like kind of like fit. You can kind of say, 
well, in the spiritual world, it's infinite, but in this world, it's, you know, but no, that's the teaching. There is no finite. Finite is maya. Finite, that is, that's what maya means. It means to measure. So maya means literally to measure. And it also means that which is not. It means you can't measure reality. It's not possible. And the tendency of the material mind and intellect is to do that, to bring everything within the fist of your intellect and know it. And there, that means to understand it, means to be above it, to control it, and so forth. But we're not in control. So this whole, this whole empiric enterprise, for example, that we were talking about earlier, you see how 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 um, um, it is the antithesis of what the Bhagavatam is speaking about in terms of how to approach life, to get meaning out of it, to understand it. Hmm? It says, you know, it, it gives a good bashing of the intellect to say you cannot fit it in your head, you cannot get a grasp on it. You know, that's why it's talking about, you know millions of universes coming out of the pores of Mahavishnu, who's bigger than all the universes. What does, you know, how many pores does he have? I mean, it's just saying, like, they're on, you know, it's like, it's saying the material world is, you, you can't even get a handle on that. It's impossible. It's like, it's trying to help you, like, go, oh, okay, I give up, you know. <laughs> I give up trying to know everything, you know. Uh, but but then it tells you how you can know everything that's worth knowing. Hmm? And it tells you that bhakti is the ultimate knowing. Loving is the ultimate knowing, the complete knowing. Hmm? It like, uh, you know, it said, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I would do that, you know. I do that, you know. <laughs> So, so this is a whole different way of knowing, and uh, and so it, it, it's again, it's, we're back to that describing the world like that unlimited universes. I read the other day somewhere uh, that they 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 they, they found a billion different inhabitable Earth-like planets. Did you read that article? See that article? Uh, did you see that? <laughs> I think I said a billion. They're guessing, yeah. There's a, bil- <laughs> a billion Earth-like in- inhabitable planets. I mean, that's so bizarre if you think. I mean, just, you know, 20 years ago, the, the, idea, the idea that there was life on another planet, you were a t- total lunatic, <laughs> you know, in educated circles. You, you know, yeah, right, you know. Uh, it, it, and so you know what a what a change that is, hmm? how dramatic. And so that's why Bhakti Vinod Thakur would, would would wrote things like, well, you know, you know, okay, they think it's like this now, and it could be. Of course, that could change too, you know. So you know, we, we can think of it like that. It's, we can you know, like the Bhagavatam was dated at this period, written in South India or something, and they have some evidence to support it. He says, well, it could be, you know. It's possible. It doesn't change what the Bhagavatam is speaking about. Let's deal with that, you know. Let's talk about that. And, and he said, it's also possible they could come up with some other information later on that would contradict that. And so, you know, we're not going to put a lot of weight on that. We're, we're going to, you know, we'll respect uh, and honor and appreciate things that are, are um, brought forward by that methodology. 
Hmm? I mean, we we'll, we use a cell phone, well, whatever, you know, we'll use, you know, conveniences, we appreciate it. But we're not going to lay prostrate, dandavat pranam to the whole thing, you know. We'll, you know, appreciate it, that's good, you know. We, 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 we'll... We 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 respect it. We, I mean, I think it's I think it's far out that you know they, they send satellites up into the sky and this. I mean, I couldn't figure out how to do that. I think it's pretty fascinating. You know, if they go to the moon or something or Mars, they send something to rover to the Mars or something. I look out there at Mars, think man, that was pretty far out. Oh, if they did that, how they do that? That's that's hard to imagine. You know, or you know, even within you know our own, we can't experience it. They. We, we, even things that we readily experience and use every day is pretty fascinating, you know. But, but, we're, as I say, we're, this is not where we're going to give our, you know, whole life to this. We're not going to lay out done about pranam. We got, you know, another ideal, and it's very different from this ideal. And it's not, and it, it's, and it, it's an admission and an acknowledgement from the very beginning. We cannot control everything. And this is the whole material tendency to want to control everything. This is the whole problem. This is what keep. This is what distances you from yourself. Hmm? You cannot control everything, and you, we're trying to. So, bhakti is a whole different methodology, and it's no wonder it doesn't make sense to people hmm? in the world, especially if they're invested and they're really paying pranams to, you know, to such uh, the empiric way of investigating and, and arriving at knowledge and, and knowing and thinking that that's, that's uh, conclusive and that somewhere they're going to find, you know, the, the the fountain of youth and what and whatever and, you know, and fully satisfy everybody and so forth. So, yeah. It seems that as the current of time goes forward, the Acharyas are able to churn out more more relevant meaning from the same exact verses of truth, mm-hmm. Shruti or Smriti, it's constantly evolving. Could you speak a little bit about that? That it's, I mean, before Sri Chaitanya and Goswami's this concept, these conceptions were there in the Bhagavad, but no one drew them out. Right. They didn't draw them out in that way because. Um, there was, they they were in their times, hmm? but because there weren't, um, in other words, the idea is a living thing, it's alive, so it has life. If therefore, if it's threatened with death hmm, at any point, it will show its life. Hmm? So, you understand? Mm-hmm. So as materialism, you know, tries to threaten the life that uh, the that the Bhagwat is is showcasing, hmm? the, the, the the Atman, its its potential, and so forth. Hmm? Then the, the, the materialism or whatever tries to douse that out. It shows its life and it has response to it, hmm? and it seems to be saying you know new things and so forth. But it's in relation to new opposition. Hmm? And so it seems, it's not that this truth about the Bhagavatam has changed at all. It's still the same truth. It hasn't changed at all. But it's showing itself in a different way, in a different place, in a different time. Hmm? And we're in that time, so it seems like, well, they've drawn, there's new things coming out of it, you know. But it's, it's really just the, 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 the scripture, if you will, showing its, its, its life. 
against new, you know, opposition and so forth. And so that there's, <laughs> yeah, it's far out. The unlimited meaning, you know, to every text. And that's why I like to say that Prabhupada, you know, gave the example, the sacred texts are like the law books, right? So when he said that to us, we thought, wow, we got the law books. We know, you know, we got it here. It's written in stone. Here's the law book. We can just say, it says this in the Bhagavatam and that, you know, but when we found out everybody doesn't accept that, you know, we can commit some people of that, you know, idea as much as we understood the idea and so forth. But when you play that metaphor that Prabhupada gave out further, what do you find? You find, well, let's look at it, law books. So there are law books, I said this before, of course, the law books are there and then they're constantly being written also and the laws are being interpreted according to new new circumstances. So, you know, it says, the law book says you shouldn't kill. Okay, we got it. Killing is bad. And then someone says, well, wait a minute, I was attacked last night by this guy, and so I shot him, you know? Well, okay, I'm going to think about that, you know? That, that, so then the law has to be nuanced and, you know, and, and, and explain and what its real intent is and so forth. And so you, it's an ongoing affair of determining the law, determining the truth and so forth in relation to ignorance and how it shows itself and so forth. So it's alive constantly. So suddenly the, the idea, the metaphor that gave us some security when I was young and so forth as a member of Prophet's Mission, yeah, we got that truth, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, you know, it's like, I just got, you know, it's all there in the Bhagavatam, you know, and it is all there, you know? But then, you see how the the metaphor, it's the same metaphor, but you, you play it out and suddenly that which is set in stone becomes like, whoa, you know, it's like, it's not so what set in, in stone, you know, and, and but that's good and spiritual life is, is not, it's not black and white, it's, it's gray and whoa, and I got to think, you know. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous, yeah. <laughs> I've got to think, and I've got to, you know, think spiritually and so forth, and and so, <laughs> you know, there's a place for shutting down the disciples' mind and saying, "Don't think," you know, and then there's a place for start to think now, hmm? and find all the things that I put inside. You let think about them, you know. You're on your own, you know. You got to fly now, you know, something like that, and this is par and parad, and that's how it goes. Hmm? And we progress, and 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 that's why, that's why, we it, that's why the experience of being in touch with the guru is like it's fresh and new, and I'm a beginner, hmm? isn't it? That's how Prabhupada made us feel. It's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. Who knows what's going to say? He's going to say next, hmm? and what that what the book means now. You know, <laughs> I thought it meant that. He said it meant now. He said it means this, and I see there's some continuity, but there's some difference, and. So it's like, I'm ready to go to class. Who knows what I'm going to hear today, you know? And uh, that's what the current is really like. That's why I say I'm giving the class and I'm listening to it, too. Hmm? And um, and uh, that should be the experience. Not like, you know, I'm going, I'm supposed to go, I'm hearing the same thing over again. You know, yeah, I know that, you know? And... Um, we're only here to, you know, to learn so we can learn what to say to other people who don't know because we already know everything, you know. So, <laughs> I, I get sometimes like that. Some of the classes, Marsha, you know, you didn't say anything about chanting Hare Krishna, you know. 
because there's people here they need to hear about training. You need to mention it, you know. <laughs> and I said, I'm thinking, you didn't pay attention. I was talking to you, you know, and you know how to chant. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you need to hear something else here, <laughs> something more, you know, so that your chanting improves. <laughs> hey. So, yeah, yes. It, it seems like you know we read different shastras. <laughs> it's something like Mahabharat. Seems to have kind of a lot of different things in it, and even we aren't sure about their, uh, if they're even correct. But it's interesting. I was reading something that a Indian professor said. This was, I think, it was professor of astrology or something like that. You know, but anyway, it was, it was astronomy. A, astronomy, yeah. And he did it. He he kind of read a part of the text and it talked about a particular uh, astrological event that happened during the war in battle. So he actually traced it back and... The Mahabharata War, yeah. Right. So he figured that from that he could figure out when Kali Yuga actually started. I just thought it was kind of interesting that he actually dated it based on the... Because this was a very specific you know, configuration of the stars and stuff like that, planets. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, these the whole uh, the yuga cycles and that's not really based on astronomical uh, calculation. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. It's not based on that. Hmm. Um, and um, there are other schools of Indian astronomy and so forth that are used for calculating dates and so forth, rather than the Bhagavatam and the Puranic literature that parallels it. Hmm. So. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too, too, too um, preoccupied with that kind of a thing. That kind of preoccupation is kind of like, let's go find, you know, the 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 bridge to Lanka. You know, it must be there at the bottom of the ocean. You know, hmm, that kind of a thing. Um, that's probably not the best, <laughs> the best approach. Hmm. It's it's kind of it's part of what I'm saying is is is. Can, can be the problem in a sense, you know. Everything has to be proved, verified, and and uh, to the senses, which are supposed to be imperfect anyway. And uh, so, yes. You mentioned earlier, uh, if you're reading like Gopal Champu, and, and <coughs> at the end, the author's saying, "What were you attracted to?" Yeah. Uh, Nothing specific. That means the Adhikari is not there yet. It hasn't shown itself yet. That that hasn't shown itself. But that's fixed. That attraction is predetermined. It's well, there's different ways to look at it. But the in the Goswamis in their text, as far as our attraction for Krishna, as Sakhi Ras, Madhurya Ras, Vatsalya Ras, Dasya Ras, Vaikuntha, Ayodhya, Ramlila, whatever may be the case. They uh, consistently talk about it as a result of association. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't talk about it much in the in, in 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 the way that you're asking about it, which is a which is a perennial question, you know. They but they say what they do say about it is that that uh, by association, by previous association, hmm, for example, in a previous life. Um, or in this life. Uh, so the implication of that would be that bhakti is coming to us through sadhu which we readily acknowledge, 
of its own free will. Hmm? Bhakti is it's, it's nothing causing bhakti. She's her own cause. Bhakti gives bhakti. So bhakti comes to us through the sadhus. Sadhu has a particular kind of bhakti. We get that association. And so we tend to imbibe that. That's the way they they talk about it. Hmm? But in a very limited sense. Um, at the same time, then, um, and so I would preface my next statement by by this that it wasn't that it didn't seem to be much of a concern for the people at the time, hmm. but it kind of seems to be a concern. I hear it, you know, these days quite a bit. Um, and so, at the same time, they say that what's the result of association? So let's say you're associating with with uh, uh, with Prabhupada, and you're, you're his disciple, and he's in Sakurasa, as he said. And he said, I'm a coward, you know, so, okay, and among other things. So then the implication would be that there was a, there, was a, there would be, uh, uh, the, the, the devotees would be influenced by this, disciples would be influenced by that. Hmm? Now there, but then we find some exceptions also, right, to the that general principle. And then we could trace it back to, well, the previous lives, you could... You could try to trace. I mean, you can't trace it back, but you could conjecture for previous lives um, uh, would be, you know, one way to look at it. Or you start to move towards a predestined, a destiny, a destiny, if you will, that kind of idea. Now, in two two Vaishnava sampradayas, Madhva sampradaya and Balava sampradaya, there's the souls have a destiny. It's clearly uh, enunciated there. There are certain types of soul, different types of soul. They have different destinies, and so on and so forth. Hmm? That's not something that's emphasized in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. At the same time, Rupa Goswami has paid tribute to Balabha Sampradaya hmm, twice in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. After describing the Bhaiti Marg and the Rag Marg, he says, and there's another group, they call it Push, they call it Mariada. And then the Rag Marg section, there's another group, they call it Pushti. More or less, more or less the same. Now, if you look at the two philosophies, Shuddha Dvaita and uh, Achinti Beta Beta, they're really different in a lot of ways. They're, they think they're huge differences. At the same time, Rupa Goswami said they're more or less, you know, kind of talking about the same thing here, you know. Um, and, and so, so, okay, Rupa Goswami hasn't come out and said that your destiny is written, you know. In stone, and gradually you're you're realizing it. But it is also said, it is said that the guru comes to us how. Brahmanda brahmite kon bhagivan jeev guru Krishna prasade bhai bhakti latubeja, right? Chaitanya Charitamrita says that Krishna sends the guru. Then the guru gives us the seed of bhakti, and we get Krishna. So Krishna sends us the guru, and the guru sends us Krishna. This is Krishna's system, right? He calls it the Parampara system. This is how I make myself available. Yes, my name is is perfect, and anyone could chant it theoretically and become perfect, even without initiation. But I don't do it that way, and I am my name. So I don't choose to reveal myself to one who ignores those who are love me and out of love for me are sharing me. Indeed, those who do that, ignore that, I call them 
I call them aparadis to me, and I am my name, guru avagya, you know, to disregard the guru. So, in principle, nam is independent. Even the even the mantra, Krishna mantra, Krishna nam, Krishna mantra, Jiva Goswami explains in Bhakti Sandarbha, they're independent of. They don't need any empowerment like other mantras, the Krishna mantras, and uh, they are independent of initiation. But they don't choose to reveal themselves, to show themselves, if one disregards this principle, hmm? uh, tries to go around that. So, and 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 Krishna is sending the guru. Hmm? So then if Krishna is sending the guru and the guru is in a particular sentiment and so forth and he's sending that guru to you hmm, then there's reason to think about it that way that Krishna has in the mind of the infinite there, 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 there's, there's a, a sense of how he would like to accept service from every jiva if they're, if they're willing <laughs> so we'll try to coax them you know, okay, Arjun, I've told you everything. Now you decide. You take seat to top, Guru. So the Guru is sent by Krishna to a particular jiva. He has a he or she has a, that that Guru has a particular sentiment, bhava. And so, why, why he send you that one? And then it's coming from association. So that's a way of thinking about. Hmm, you know, it's a way you could look at it some some destiny. Is 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 uh, involved there? Um, and then there is something called that we call spiritual suicide, right? So, to not take to bhakti. In other words, let's say the jeev has a destiny. Hmm? A destiny means like a potential. Here, it has it has a destiny under certain conditions. If you if these you accept these conditions, then you have a you have a a a, a destiny and a potential that you wouldn't have otherwise. But you have it if these conditions you accept these conditions, something like that. Let's say, for example, you have an inheritance. And I say, you have an inheritance, but, you know, when you can't get it till you turn 25, and then you have to finish college and so forth, and then you can get it, something like that. And so, meanwhile, you know, you're on a student's budget here, you know, and trying to make ends meet and so forth. So when you get the inheritance, you're you're a different person. Hmm? Uh, When you fall in love, you're a different person, Right. Let's use that example. Let's say you fall in love. You, you're a different person. You're the same person, but you're different. It's like, wow, everything works now. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, so Krishna consciousness is about falling in love with Krishna. So if you fall in love with Krishna, hmm? no, you might not. You, you just, you're just trying to fall in love with everything else out there, right? <laughs> and so, but by, by the Guru Parampara, you get the chance to fall in love with Krishna. So if you take advantage of that, you fall in love with Krishna. You become more than what you are. Hmm? But you have the potential to be that more. Hmm? Hmm. Your unit of consciousness 
Bhakti is 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 Sandini Sambit Ladini. It's Satchitananda on on steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you, there's, you, you make the, the the meeting, and now what your potential is, what your capacity is now, something like that. It's it, it, you're you're not because you know, you you don't want to think like this. Well, okay, I'm not the body, I'm not the material energy, right? But now I'm hearing that bhakti means that the ingress is sarup shakti. That means I'm not my spiritual body either. It's made of the sarup shakti, and I'm I'm the tatasta shakti. And, but no, it's not like that because. Because the material energy and the jiva, they're they're opposites. Asat, achit, nirananda. I'm satchitananda, and the sarup shakti is sandini sambit ladini, which is again, it's like satchitananda on 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 steroids. It's like you know, times ten. You know, so so you're meeting with that, and 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 it and, and, and the and and to. Help us appreciate it again. I use the example of falling in love. You're not a different person, but something's been added to your life that wasn't there previously, hmm? right? But you're kind of like all now. You're all that you could you could be. You know, you you, you feel like that, something like that. So uh, so bhakti is not inside of us. Bhakti is a gracious grant that comes forth. Therefore, I say, for example, last night I said. I am American, that's one kind of I am, that is a result of consciousness reflecting in the mind. The reflection of consciousness, we are consciousness, that reflection of ourself in the mind, hmm, which then is the medium mind through which that consciousness kind of touches but doesn't touch the material world and thinks, I'm American, I'm Indian, I'm a man, I'm a woman. That I am has to be killed, hmm? and then I am remains. I am. <laughs> you know, it, that's one. So there's two different things, right? And then I am Krishna's. I am Krishna Das. That's another thing too. Hmm? Hmm? That's that. So we can come. I am by killing the ego. Hmm? But you can't become I am Krishna's without a gracious and considerable grant of bhakti. Of course, the teaching is you can't even come to I am without some bhakti, but sattviki bhakti, but shuddha bhakti comes into our life. Then I can, I belong to Krishna. I, I, it's a grant. It's a gracious grant. So, so you know, Krishna's behind it. You know, we say it comes from up to down. Hmm? So when you think it comes from up to down, well, there's some intelligence behind it all, and how he wants it to happen is how he's having it play out, and it looks like there's some, some destiny, right? So, At the same time, there seems to be a choice on our part. It feels like we're making a choice. Uh, so it's, it's a little hard to sort out entirely. Hmm? So how do I reconcile that uh, I came to a, a large religious group, any religious group, mm-hmm. and... I ended up on the short end of the stick. I accepted as guru unqualified person or priest or whatever. We're not going to qualify it. Uh, why? You know, you're saying there's this gracious grant from above. Yeah. Why did my circumstance 
in our tradition lead me to a Kanista guru who ended up abandoning me. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do I reconcile that? Well, there's a couple ways to, uh, to think about that, I think. Um, and uh, it's not a new phenomenon. But um, because Jiva Goswami himself talks about it, so we're dating back in you know, hundreds of years, when he says, here's the definition of a guru, Shabde Parejanishnatam Brahmani Upashamashrayam. He quotes Bhagavatam, right? Samatpani Shotriyam Brahmanishtam, this kind of idea. Hmm? Um, he or she is Shotriyam Shabde Pare. Shabde Pare. Tanishnatam. Shabde pare means Shabde means the sound, right? He's familiar with the sound and pare actually means Bhagwan. It's actually a description of a Vaishnav Guru. It's a Bhagavatam verse. Section is in eleventh canto is speaking about bhakti. So Shabde Pare. He's understood from Shastra the the Godhead. Hmm? Bhagwan. Well it's this is theoretical. Hmm? He's delineated well upon that, and so means well versed in the the theory, hmm? without which he or she can't answer the questions of the disciples and retire their doubts. Hmm? Of course, their doubts have to be such that they're retireable by the citing of the scripture, because bhakti is about. The eligibility for bhakti is faith, and it means faith in revelation. So, if I can't answer your doubts by citing the scripture, then the problem may be yours, because you don't have faith in the scripture or revelation. So that's another thing. So it has a certain, you know, this, we're doing we're doing a certain thing here. You know? So um, anyway, so so shabde parechanishnatam. You understand the scripture very well. And the second thing. Has the realization, Brahmani Upashamashram. Hmm? Hmm. So then he says, you, but there sometimes we may accept gurus and not like that. Hmm? We shouldn't. We should. He said we shouldn't have done it. We say, well, I was told to do it. Say, well, they shouldn't have told you. <laughs> you know, two wrongs will make a right. Just don't tell me what you know. Just I'm telling you now. Do it right. Hmm? That's basically what he's saying. He, he says. So he says it's not entirely wrong. Hmm? They may not. You may have accepted a guru who's not fully qualified, hmm? according to this basic uh, definition. Hmm? Now he says it doesn't have to be a problem. He says it doesn't have to be a problem. Um, You know, let's say you're on the battlefield and you get wounded. So you got a medic who comes and says, you know, do this, tie that, you know, with a knot, you know, give me a, give me a match, you know, you know, and he does something and patches it together and so on and so forth. And now limp off to the hospital, go see a doctor hmm, and get the whole thing cured and so forth. So the medic has some value. Hmm? It has some value. He helps. Hmm? He's done something, you know, and and, uh, and uh, so forth. So uh, now, it, when 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 we come to the point in a situation like that, when we realize I need more, hmm, 
um, this person I accepted as a guru. He gave me basic Vaishnav teachings, and I was inspired, and I learned something. So now I'm finding that the fountain is, you know, you know, drying up. You know, there's no, there, there's there, I, there's nothing to drink from there, and it's not working. And and so his his lack of qualification, the medic's lack of qualification as a surgeon, as a doctor, is starting to you know to show up. Hmm? And if I don't get to a doctor, I'm going to get you know gangrene here, and my leg is going to fall off or something. So, so then Yuva Goswami says, so in circumstances, you know why that happens and so forth. There could be any number of reasons in our background and so on and so forth. He basically, Jiva Goswami basically relegates it to, well, you know, you didn't examine close enough. Um, but then you say, well. I didn't know I was supposed to examine more closely, or what you know. So anyway, so you didn't know. So, 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 so we move on from here. Hmm? That's all. And and he says, so what you do is then you take shelter of a guru, who has those qualifications, and can fully help you. Hmm? He becomes your sikshu guru, and there's no problem. He says, but then there's something else that might happen, as well. And and what's that? Um, he says that that, that guru should be honored from a distance. But if he also starts to show bad behavior, hmm, and in the worst case scenario, he becomes envious of other Vaishnavas who are more qualified to help you and teaches that you shouldn't hear from them and so forth. He said, and, and, you, should, and, and you should take initiation from a qualified guru. Now you know better. Hmm, and now you're in a better position to understand who's, who's a qualified guru. And so you should take initiation from that person. This is the, this is the teaching. Hmm? So, uh, you know, why the, all the whys of how that happened to me is hard to sort out and so forth, but, but <clears throat> we should just analyze what did happen, and then we have, have, we have the scriptural advice what to do from there. So it's not like, this happened to me, therefore this is a, this, therefore I, this is a problem, I give up, you know, it didn't work, and, your philosophy doesn't work. No, there's also a provision in there for that and how to deal with it. Hmm? And so we hear that, we think, well, there's no problem, you know. Hmm? That's why it's, it's important to know the scriptures. <laughs> then we can, we can, we, we don't, a lot of people in that kind of situation, you know, who, you know, who had less than qualified guru and it shows up and so forth. And because they don't know the scripture, they don't know how to deal, they don't know how to go, go forward and make progress. I was wondering if maybe you could uh, expand on that just a little bit, because I was thinking of the principle of sad guru, and also the fact that guru also is governed by a chincha beta in the sense that um, uh, the guru is one, but at the same time he appears as a person, an individual who has a particular qualification or whatever, just like I'm thinking of Prabhupada years now. So what's your question? My question is if you could expand on you want me to talk about the idea that the guru is one and the guru is different? Right, exactly. Uh, the, 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 the guru is one, but it appears in a multitude of forms. So. It's a very complicated, I mean, it is a very complicated principle, especially if you look at Iskand, who is really got it confused there. I'd rather not look at Iskand. No, 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 I appreciate that. But, I mean, that's my point. It is a confusing principle. But... Uh, um, 
if I would say that if you find that there's confusion on that issue there in that group, um, then it's probably, if that's the way you feel, it's probably not a good place to be. Because um, you don't, you, you want to have a clear idea about this kind of thing. <laughs> it's pretty foundational to your spiritual life. So, um, I mean, I don't know, it's a pretty simple idea. It doesn't have to be so, it's not so difficult to, to understand. I guess you could say, I would say this, that the Guru is one in that the Guru teaches the same philosophy. Hmm? The Guru is different in that the Guru may um, experience the philosophy uh, differently as Sakyarasa, Madhuryarasa, Dasyaras, and so forth. That's the difference. Bed, hmm? Abed. The, the the non-difference is the philosophy. The difference is the religion. So it's a it's a philo- philosophical, religious doctrine. In other words, the, 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 it's one in just like Rupa Goswami says, Narayan and Krishna are one in tattva. Okay, right. so you have a problem with that? Narayan and Krishna are one. Hmm? Then he says, but when we look at it from the point of view of rasa, they're different. Hmm? And I would, and he says, and I would like to write a book about the difference. <laughs> That's called bhakti rasamrita sindhu, and why and why Krishna is is therefore the supreme, you know, the, the source of Narayan, because there's more possibility for possibility for love in relation to him, and so on and so forth. So, so anyway, with regard to the guru, the guru is going to teach one philosophy, Gaudiya Siddhanta. Hmm? Then he or she is going to experience go to Siddhanta, perhaps in a nuanced way, from another Vaishnava who is acting in the capacity of a guru. Hmm? Um, and so, some differences there. We say Sakshadharitvena. The guru is Sakshadharitvena. So the guru is one with Krishna. Hmm? Right? Directly Krishna. Uh, and Kintu Prabhuya Priyavatasya. The Guru is one with Krishna, all the scriptures say it, but the Guru is different from Krishna. It says, Kintu because he's dear to Krishna. How can you be Krishna and be dear to Krishna? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so he's one with Krishna, that means he represents what Krishna says, teaching accurately, philosophically, hmm? but he has a particular relationship with Krishna. He's dear to Krishna in a particular way. Hmm? And that may differ from guru to guru. Hmm? Um, there's usually not that much difference, you know, in in in, in one sampradaya, in Gaudiya sampradaya, uh, or you know, in in other sampradayas either. It's usually pretty much you know one or one or two, something like that. So that's one way to talk about it. Hmm? Um, um, you know, it's, you talked about you mentioned Discon. Go go to Discon for a minute. The way and Prabhupada Discon, the way he set it up, was very much on the basis of this beta beta idea, um, and therefore he set up his BBT as a separate corporation from Iskon. Iskon was a corporation or many corporations. You know, Iskon of Chicago, Iskon of New York, Iskon of uh, North Carolina, and so forth. But the BBT was one corporation, mm-hmm. and the BBT was formed for the books, um, and he didn't want 
he wanted the books to be uniform. He wanted them to be uniform in presentation, quality of text and so forth for the modern world. And he wanted it to be, you know, one voice of philosophy, if you will. That it's the, you can't change the philosophy, he said. No changing in there. But then with regard to the society, he promoted change and individuality and so forth and difference. Each temple was supposed to be autonomous and each temple president was supposed to have freedoms to choose how to preach and organize his, his group and dress his deity. And he didn't say, all oh, the deities have to be dressed exactly like this. Every temple has to be run exactly like this. There were some basic things there, but there was probably was very insistent upon uh, f uh, creating an environment that fostered individual, and what did he call it, independent-minded individuals. Hmm? who could think on the basis of Shastra, could stand on the ground of Shastra and run, hmm? so to speak. Hmm? So the, the Shastra, the ground, is the philosophy. The Leela stands on the ground of philosophy. Hmm? That's a canvas of the Chinta Beta Beta. And then they paint it on the Leela. Next, next, same canvas, another Leela. Same canvas, another Leela, and so forth. The Leela is full of individual kind of expression, if you will. Hmm? It's really the basic ways in which Krishna wants to taste himself. So he gives himself through his Shakti to his devotees. And then they become vehicles for him tasting himself and them tasting him in different ways and so on and so forth. So there's a unity inside of that also. But at the same time, it plays out as a difference. Hmm? So... Um, um, Prabhupada didn't want the philosophy to be changed, but he wanted the individuals to take the philosophy and, and it, let it inspire them, and they could express it in different ways, and and so on and so forth. So the same same idea. So there may be different gurus, and they may have they may have differences about preaching, about you know any number of things hmm, that don't contradict that are details that don't change the principle, the the, the philosophy, and so forth. And those are beautiful. Hmm. Um, we, 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 we want that kind of variety. Um, and, uh, and it also comes up with regard to choice of guru. Hmm? Therefore, there is variety inside of the unity, the oneness. Um, and that, that choice may, you know, may, may be based on different things. Maybe a certain psychology, maybe a background, a deep, deep background. Behind and so forth, but um, but overall, um, it means like that, that that the philosophy is one. Therefore, when there's a difference in philosophy, then we think, oh, there's a problem here. Let me give you an example. Let's use myself as an example. Okay, I'm a disciple of Prabhupada. Okay, uh, Dulal is a disciple of Prabhupada. Karnamrita is a disciple of Prabhupada, um, and others here. Uh, some other so um, now so we have something in common now let's say I become a also a disciple of Sridhar he becomes my Siksha guru Prabhupada left the world he said if you need philosophical advice go to Sridhar I go and I get I get inspired and he becomes my Siksha guru so so at least for some time that was my reality and it wasn't Karnamrita's reality Sridhar Maharaj wasn't his Siksha Guru. So there's a difference. 
There's a difference. There's a, there's a oneness between Karnamrita and I. We both have Prabhupada's our guru. And we're both Gaudiya Vaishnavs. Hmm? Now, I, then I become, I have Prabhupada as my guru and I have Sridhar Maharaj as my guru, my Siksha guru. Hmm? And the Siksha guru and the Diksha guru are equally manifestations of Krishna. So we don't say one is better than the other or so, in the real sense of the term. We know Krishna is coming to me now in the capacity of a Siksha guru. Hmm? How do I know that? Well, I already had Krishna come to me in the capacity of a Siksha guru and a Diksha guru. Prabhupada was my Diksha guru and my Siksha guru. So I know what it's like to have a Siksha guru and I know what it's like to have a Diksha guru. Now, I don't need to have another Diksha guru. Hmm? Uh, and you can only have one. Mm-hmm. So uh, here, the, the possibility of having a Siksha Guru, it's within the philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And I recognize my Siksha Guru because I know what it's like to have a Siksha Guru. <laughs> so I'm recognizing, here, Krishna's coming to me in this way, he's my Siksha Guru, mm-hmm. this person. So now there's a difference between me and Karnamrita. Mm-hmm. But the difference is one that's within the philosophy. Because the philosophy teaches the guru is one, manifests in different forms. You can have one diksha guru, but you can have a number of, uh, a plurality of siksha gurus. The diksha is one, the imparting of the, the, the mantra, but the siksha is many, many teachings to support that, te- that teaching. Hmm? So we have a difference, but our difference is based on, is grounded in the philosophy, so it becomes beautiful. This is beautiful. This is, wow. Hold on. Gaudi Vaishnava is going in that way for him. Interesting. Who would have thought? Who knows? You know, just see. Krishna is coming to him in that way. Hmm? And then we look at it and just use this example, play it out with him. Hey, by the way, Prabhupada had an interesting relationship with Sri Ramaraj. Let's look it up. You know, there's this letter and there's that letter. And look, he chastised him. He criticized him here, one place. Look at all these nice things he said about him over here and over here. They had a. That's the way relationships go, right? You know, sometimes you're upset with your brother, and sometimes you, you know, you appreciate we're brothers. Hmm? Get out of our way. You know? hmm? Like one time, Harikesh asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, are there any of your godbrothers who are not rascals? He said, Only you are rascal. <laughs> <laughs> so that side is there too. Hmm? And to be honest with you, that's the deeper side. That's the that's the that's the more that's the absolute and pervading side hmm? of Prabhupada in relation to his god brothers. The relative side is ah that guy, damn him, that you know. And I can tell you that. Why can I tell you that? Because it's my reality, and it's all of your realities too. You think about it. Hmm? You think about it. Think about it in a material sense. You know, you got your brother, your mother, you know, and, and you know, and your sister and your father, and you love them all, and you hate them sometimes too. You know, you, you know. But then, but you gravitate towards the other side. You know, like, okay. You know, when it's all said and done, you know, we're brothers, we're a family, something like that. So, what, what to speak of a spiritual family? It's true. Hmm? If I, if, if you know, I have differences from God, from God brothers. Hmm? And uh, sometimes I'm caused to speak about them. Uh, you know, occasion arises and so forth. 
and so my speech strong and so that that's not the whole picture hmm? I know these people I know what they're what they what they want what they try to do I have some idea where some of them made 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 mistakes and so forth and so on I know that 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 Prabhupada loves his disciples even when they make mistakes and he may be I know that Prabhupada was really upset with certain disciples really upset but why is he upset? Because he loves them. Why do you get upset with somebody? Because you, you care about them, you know? Hmm? Enough to get upset, something like that. So, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, if you get far enough away from it, you know, you think, we're all Gaudiya Vaishnavas, you know, we have more in common than, you know, the materialists and so forth, so that you, you get some appreciation. The secret to appreciating everybody is having enough distance from everybody. That's all. If you get enough distance, then you and you can think, yeah, he also chants. That's good. Appreciate that. You know, he did something good. He, you know, he, there, there's certainly some sincerity in him. You can start. To, if you get too close, then the other things start to show up, and it becomes a problem. Hmm? So, hmm? this is the this is the this is the this is the the side of a Prabhupada, for example, in relation to his God brothers that you really have to. We as disciples of Prabhupada have to gravitate towards. And that's the Shastra teaches that also. We have to gravitate towards appreciating the bigger picture of Prabhupada's relationship with his god brothers. Hmm? That they're all disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta. What do you think? That Bhakti Siddhanta just you know, rejects these people entirely forever and sends them to hell because they did something that uh, they shouldn't have done or some some of them something like that? What guru would be like that? Hmm? No. Hmm? Do they have any capacity to change and so forth? So, you know, we gravitate to it. That, that, that is why Prabhupada said, you know, in the end, oh, I, forgive me, I made so many offenses, the war is over now, you know, please. You know, we don't think that Prabhupada made any offenses. I do think that Pro, some of Prabhupada's godbrothers made offenses to Prabhupada. I mean, I know that they, some of them did. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, Bon Maharaj and Prabhupada had a, you know, some uh, unpleasantries in their relationship. Bhakti Hridai Bon Maharaj and, uh, you know, uh, my Guru Maharaj had some differences. Hmm? Some places Prabhupada was upset about those differences and he said some things that were recorded and, and, and printed in it and they make it clear that Prabhupada had some differences with Bon Maharaj. Hmm? So you can go and grab onto those things. Yeah, we got differences from Bon Maharaj and Bon Maharaj is this and that and so forth. No, don't do that. Hmm? Prabhupada sent, personally sent me in Vrindavan to Bon Maharaj's moth hmm? to uh, honor the Vyasa Puja of Bon Maharaj. As a sannyasi, he said, I want to send, uh, he said, me and a couple of the sannyasis to go Take the prasad there, you know, hear the offering, glorify, honor, honor Bon Maharajas. So how are we supposed to, you know, we can think there's something more to this whole thing here. You know, it's not just like Bon Maharajas are this, you know. If that's the absolute, why am I being sent there to show respect to Bon Maharaj and, 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 and so forth? There's much to honor about Bon Maharaj. Hmm? And there's some things that between him and Prabhupada, that Prabhupada, him both probably wish didn't happen and, and um, 
and they may have been Bon Marge's fault. I mean, that's that's Prabhupada's perspective. Hmm? But is that um, there may be another perspective? You know, let them sort it out. You know, kind of. And we follow Prabhupada's relative ad- advice on a thing at the time. He said, to "Keep a distance from Bon Marge." You know, and then later on, after Bon Marge's passion, he sent me to Bon Marge's moth to honor. Hmm? And so I meet, have to meet the next Acharya there, and you know, if I make friends with him. I, he says, "Oh, you come? How nice!" So what am I supposed to think? Yeah, but I'm not supposed to be here, really. You know, and you're really a bad guy, and you know, does, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Hmm? So anyway, back to the point. Hmm? I make my choice for my Siksha Guru, so I'm different from some of my God brothers. But the choice is based on philosophy. It's 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 within the philosophy, so it's beautiful. It should be honored. It should be glorified. We should think Prabhupada's multidimensional. Just see, he had some affinity for Sri Maharaj. Wow, and so Triparamish has some opportunity to experience a side of Prabhupada in relation to Sri Maharaj that Karnarita might not. That's another way to look at it. Hmm? Positive way to look at it. Prabhupada's multidimensional and so forth and. So it's a, you know, the way to see it, it's a beautiful thing, as long as it's based properly in the philosophy. Now, if it's a deviation from the philosophy, then it's unbecoming. That difference is unbecoming. Hmm? Then it means, oh, he's, he's, he's changed the thing. One thing we can't change is the teaching. Hmm? And we can talk about it in ways that sounds like you're, teach, you're changing it, but that's just a matter of keeping the essence. Hmm? and helping people understand what it's really saying instead of what you thought it said. That's another thing. Hmm? So to be grounded in the philosophy and then to have differences that are expressed that arise out of that, that's, that's desirable. But have a difference in philosophy, that's another thing. That means then you're outside the parameters of what Gaudi Vaishnavism is. So the guru is one and they give the same philosophy. Hmm? Now, if they start giving a different philosophy, uh, and then, yeah, then they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Speaking of tons of bricks in relationship to this, how would one contend with the fact that my Sikhs guru has, is being criticized and the basic, the, the details are being given as principles and how do I deal with that? that? That oh, he's he's made too many changes, and this really upsets the philosophy. But I know their details. Right. The thinking is a deviation as opposed to a detail. So how do you deal with that? They're thinking that the, the, yeah. the details are the principles, and he's gone over the line. How do I deal with that as a, as a Sikh disciple? Right. You tell them what the, you preach the facts, you know, you, you, you put them in the, you, you give them the teaching. You have to stand up for that. Hmm? That, you know, and when the occasion arises, then you have to um, expose that. That's, you know, we don't go looking for fights or anything like that, but, but you know, we, we want to stand up for the philosophy. Hmm? That's what we're supposed to do, that we're, we're trained to do, that's what we're, we're taught to do. Hmm? When I was young, and we were in, 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 in Los Angeles, in New Dwarka, it used to be, you'd give the Bhagavatam class, they'd have all these guys sitting there looking at you, and if you didn't support what you said about the Shastra, they'd say, that's not in the Shastra. 
Because <laughs> that's how Prabhupada trained us. You know, they were real heavy about it, you know. Uh, you know, can you support that from this job? It was like a, whoa, you know, where I'm, I'm still on the hot seat here. You know, I'm going to go to class and it's got to be like, you know, where's that gone? You know, I mean, that's a little extreme perhaps in a, in, in, in a sense, but that we should have some fire for the teaching, what it, what it actually is. Unified for what? You know, we should be unified for the for the same philosophy, for the, not for some some deviant idea and so forth. And someone who's thinking that a detail is a principle and that the changing of the detail changes the principle is probably changing the principle themselves. I mean, they have, they've, un, they've misunderstood the detail for the principle, so, so the problem they're perceiving in others is their own problem. We have to tactfully try to help, you know, point that out. Um, and, you know, you're in a high, you're in high, you're in a high, high, you're on a high road here. You know, you, you, you know, you, in the situation you're describing, you've done the right thing. You have nothing to fear. And so, you know, you take the high road. You don't, you know, the, the, and they won't attack, you know, and say this or that. And you can just calmly say, well, let's, you know, what did he say? What, what did they say? Let's hear it. Bring it out, you know. Is that all? Are you done now? Okay. Can I, can I reply now? You finished? You got anything else you want to say? No. Okay. Now, here's what the Shastra says. Hmm? And then, you know, you give people the chance to, like, um, uh, agree with the scriptures. Hmm? And if they don't, you can say, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to uh, relate to your position. It's not supportable by the, by the, by the text, by the philosophy. It's, it's, I think you're guilty of what you're accusing, accusing me. Something like that. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, um, I just have a question about the Sampradayas and the different ones. Sampradaya. Sampradayas, yeah. I have a hard time hearing, so excuse me. Um, I mean, they're all based on this. Are they based on the same Shastra, even though they're coming from different philosophies? The different Sampradayas are based on the. a Really, the different Vaishnava sampradayas are based on a, a particular interpretation of the scriptures, the same scriptures. And it's a particular interpretation, this is interesting that you bring it up, that is a different philosophy. So, for example... Uh, Sri Vaishnavism is a different philosophy than Gaudiya Vaishnavism. But these are two philosophies based on the scripture which are both bona fide. Hmm? And they support those two different philosophies, different sentiments, different different religious feelings, if you will, different bhavas. Hmm? So like the Sri Sampradaya is a different Vishishta Dvaita is a different philosophy than a Chinti Beta Beta. They're both based on the same scripture. They're different philosophies, but they both are the philosophical underpinnings that support and give rise to genuine spiritual experience hmm, that are different from one another. The Sri Sampradaya gives rise to certain ex religious experience, bhava, Vaikuntha experience, 
the Dwarka experience, up to the up to the love of Rukmini for Krishna in Dwarka. Hmm? It doesn't, but that will not give support to and give rise to uh, the feeling of being uh, a gopi in Vrindavan hmm? or a cowherd in Vrindavan. Gaudi Vaishnavism will. So, it's interesting because there are different ways to interpret the scripture hmm, that make different philosophies. <laughs> but the philosophies give rise to sentiments that are uh, uh, real and constitute a genuine spiritual prayogen or goal, sadhya, uh, you know, uh, uh, perfection. Hmm? So you have Madhva Sampradaya and Ramanuja Sampradaya and Barka Sampradaya and uh, you know the uh, the, uh, the Balav Sampradaya, Gaudi Sampradaya. They're all taking core books like the Gita, like the, the different Upanishads, uh, the Bhagavatam, and they and, and these different books are written also in such a way sometimes to emphasize maybe one side or another, like the Sri Sampradaya that I mentioned. Their main book is the Vishnu Purana. Hmm? Our main book, main book is the Bhagavad Purana. Hmm? They're not wrong. Hmm? We're not wrong either. So it serves to say that there are differences in transcendence. There's variety in transcendence. Hmm? Um, so. Yeah. Well, Gaudi Vaishnavism. Is, yeah. Gaudi Vaishnavism is, is particularly Vaishnavism is particularly generous, particularly generous in this regard and accommodating. Hmm? And so, it, 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 for example, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, one of our acharyas who authored the Chaitanya Charitamrita, makes a long argument in the second chapter that Krishna is the source of Narayan, and the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. He makes a long argument there, and he's pretty adamant about it. And then, in the end, he says, "But you know, some people will see him as as an incarnation of Vishnu." And he says, "That's true too." <laughs> you could look at it like that. Hmm? It's not the way we're looking. The angle we're looking at it is like if you have a beautiful jewel and you look at it, and, and somebody else looks from another angle, and you're always going to see something new in there, different. Hmm? So he says, "Yeah, it's it's it's. I can I appreciate that from Vaikuntha perspective. They're thinking like that. That's allowable. That's not a problem. Hmm? Hey, there are other ways to think about it too. Maybe it is true. That's how they think about it in Goloka. Think about it. <laughs> Nanda Maharaj thinks Narayan is the supreme personality of Godhead." <laughs> hmm? But he loves Krishna. But he loves Krishna. That's his Maya. <laughs> <laughs> that Maya we want. <laughs> we want that Maya. Narayan is the supreme personality of God. That's another thing. Krishna is something, you know, something else. Yeah. Brings us to Krishna, yeah. So when we come into the sampradaya, especially in the West, I mean, that's. I, I guess my question is, um, 
that is the sampra daya for most of us in the Western world. Is that not true? You mean Gaudiya Vaishnavism? Yes. Well, there are other the other sampradayas are also active in, in 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 the United States. They they walked, if you will, on the bridge that Prabhupada built from India to the Western world. Hmm? Uh, the Sri Sampradaya has uh, some followers here. The Balabha Sampradaya hmm? has some followers, um, and th- those are two at least that I'm uh, aware of. Um, like I said earlier, the Gaudi Vaishnavism is very accommodating, and uh, and Prabhupada was um, a good e- example of that. Uh, Chaitanya, our idea is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna, so as Swami Bhagavan, all possibilities are present within him. Hmm? And his main teaching is to chant the Maha Mantra, and it's a universal mantra. So it can be interpreted, the Maha Mantra, very specifically hmm? or very broadly. Hmm? For example, you could take the name Ram in the Maha Mantra to mean Ram Chandra. Hmm? You could take it to mean Balaram, or it could mean Radha Raman, and Raman means another name for Krishna then. Hmm? Hare can be taken to mean a name for Krishna. It's Hari in the vocative. Or it can be taken to mean a name for Radha. Hmm? Hmm? Um Hara, I guess it is in the in, in the vocative. Hmm? So, it, it, just to give you an example, so it's a universal mantra. Nam hmm? chintamani, chintamani swarup. This is the nam, so you can get whatever anything from nam. Hmm? But then, as you get nam from a particular sampradaya, then that will help at least to determine, you know, what conception of the name that you uh, you, you become acquainted with. So, given this fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Swami Bhagavan and in his process, his, his methodology, if you will, is universal, there's all possibilities that can be found within that. So, someone could be come interested in be interested in going to Baikunta, for example, and join. Ch- you would be best off, we think, to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lineage, and uh, and and go there through that route. I told a story before, I'll tell you, it's a funny story. Um, there was a devotee of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in ISKCON, and um, he got really frustrated with ISKCON for different reasons. And so uh, he he gave up ISKCON, and he considered ISKCON was Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and so he was through with Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So he later went and got initiated in the... In the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya. Hmm? And he was happy with that and so forth. And he was really against the Hare Krishnas and the Godias. He was like really against them. And so he went to Sri Rangam, which is the capital of Sri Vaishnavism, beautiful temple there. And he went to go in the temple. They stopped him at the door and said, You can't come in. Only Hindu can come in. He says, No, 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 I'm Hindu. Hmm? No, 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 you cannot come in. He says, No, no, I'm a Hindu. I'm initiated. In the Ramanuja Sampradaya, I'm an initiated member. He pulled out his card or whatever, you know. <laughs> and I said, no, no, sorry, sorry. You cannot come in. Sorry. And he got frustrated and he said, Hare Krishna, you know. <laughs> was just without thinking. You know. They said, oh, Hare Krishna, come, come in. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 
so the Lord of Vaikuntha you know, has this place in his heart for the for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not a bad idea to approach him if that's your goal through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? But, you know, there are some other lineages and uh, and sometimes people are joining them. But Gaudiya Vaishnavism really kind of made that available in, in a sense by Prabhupada's kind of doing it and taking it you know, across the ocean, and they, they would think, but if you cross the ocean, you're going to lose your caste or something like that. You know, probably went back and changed people's caste. You know, you know the old story of the mercury and the what is it and the bell metal turning it into gold. Does that really work? Can you do that? They say, yeah, that's urine. And yeah, well, the yogis eat mercury. Because gold is expensive these days, you know. Yeah, okay, yeah, you've got to be a yogi. So. Is there any truth, just carrying on what we were just discussing, uh, uh, I had heard that Sri Tanya Mahaprabhu, uh, this conception is there that he came to amalgamate the Sampradayas. Is yeah. there some truth in that? Well, Bhakti Vinod Thakur talked about that. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said something to the effect that all the sampradayas will come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Kali Yuga, something like that. Um, it hasn't happened in a literal sense, but in the sense I'm talking about, it, it, it has actually. They've, they've gained credibility um, from from Prabhupada, and uh, and it, and. Uh, in a, in a sense, I don't mean credibility. They're credible, but they they, they gained, um, I should say, hmm? standing. Well, uh, notoriety, hmm? recognition, um, uh, admirers, appreciation, followers, life in the modern world, hmm? to some extent, from Prabhupada's uh, campaign. I mean, there was. Uh, now you'll find in academia Sri Vaishnavism being written about and uh, Balabha Sampradaya too and, and you know and he, he kind of started you know was very much involved in that Bhakti Vinod Thakur and, and Bhakti Siddhanta and our Prabhupada interfacing with the modern world I mean Gaudiya Vaishnavism did that uh, before these other Sampradayas began to do and in, 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 a, in a big way hmm? You know, through through the medium of, of Srila Prabhupada, so he, in effect, you know, is is somebody that they, you know, got to appreciate, uh, and and thereby Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if they think about it, without their thinking about it, um, it's still happening. Hmm? It's happening. They're gaining notoriety by that, and now they gain notoriety probably by distancing themselves from. Some of the things that Gaudiya Vaishnavas have done, <laughs> uh, so positively and negatively, <laughs> we're helping them. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Can you, can you? Is there anywhere stated anywhere why Shri Bhaktisiddhanta Maharaj chose the Madhva line as opposed to the Ramanuja line? I just I've always thought maybe we were. What do you mean he chose it? Well, if you look at his his Sampradaya. Well, he didn't choose it. He, he he's describing how it happened. Oh, Madhavendra Puri, Lakshmi Patitirtha, Madhavendra Puri. So, 
if you connect Madhavendra Puri to Lakshmi Patitirtha, then you connect, you're connecting the the seed, if you will, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the form of Madhavendra Puri to the Madhva Sampradaya. Um, so, it, in our estimation, Madhavendra Puri was a disciple of Lakshmi Patitirtha. He's Madhva. Hmm? And uh, and then from there, the Sampradaya takes a Gaudiya turn in Madhavendra Puri. We see things in it that are that are not there um, in in Madhva Sampradaya, but they're in the mantra, hmm? the Gopal mantra, for example, that's given from Krishna to Brahma, and Brahma to Nar, Nar to Vyas, Vyas to uh, Madhva. Hmm? And so Krishna's the head of the Sampradaya, he gives the mantra to Brahma, is the idea, and then Krishna reappears in the Sampradaya many years later. Hmm? To say, I'm not sure you guys understood the mantra, <laughs> or there's more to the mantra than what you know you've shown so far. So let me show you the rest of it, something like that. Is that why Sri Shri Maharaj says the current goes underground? Um, spiritual current. That means, sometimes the current goes underground. It means it gets it's it gets distorted. I, I, and there's a need for revival, something like that. With regard to Madhva Sampradaya, I would look at it more like uh, that. We we see that the 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 exposure of Golok, of the Brajalila, to the world is a, is an is a timeless event that occurs in time with the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And therefore, it's not your typical fare that's available hmm, as a possibility, as a potential, and so forth. But with the internal happenings of Krishna, that is the genesis, his introspection, what is Radha's love for me, this is the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, then, then the, that the doorway, if you will, the window to the Brajalila is, is opened. And so it it, it couldn't have come previously. Hmm? Okay. Krishna so it's not g- g- that it went underground yeah. in, a, in a way that it was lost. Right. It's, it's, right. it's revealing itself. Yeah. It hadn't, you know, the event hadn't happened. The timeless event hadn't happened in time. Thanks for coming. Okay. <laughs> so we see like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the main speaker of Kali Yuga. And then there are others who like come up to the podium beforehand. You know, the, 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 the what do they call them? That you know, the the warm up band or something like that. You know, what's it called? You know, your, your the opening act. You know, you're playing with the big guys. You know, you're on the big stage, but it's, everybody's coming mostly for somebody else. It's interesting. I met a few mag bites in uh, Minneapolis. Huh. Uh, they had they had the mantra on the wall, and, uh, and the guy said, "Oh yeah, yeah, my lineage traces itself from Madhva." But he was very attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as That's beautiful, you know. Mm. And he could actually see the similarities, mm. you know, which you know, having read some of the things that I've read about the Madhvites, really don't see us as 
you know, be more the heretical branch of mud or something, no, according to the mud fight. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. Well, the ones that are not. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Bhaktivinoda really that had that verse? I don't know, Padma Purana, you, you have to have your mantra from one of the four. So isn't that yeah. why he accept, I mean, stressed that? I mean, we, and some people just say, well, we don't care. We're from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is why Bhaktivinoda stressed the connection between Gaudius and the Madhva Sampradaya. Because there's a verse that says, if you don't get your mantra from one of these four Vaishnava Sampradayas, it won't bear any fruit. So he said, well, we're connected to the Madhva Sampradaya. Um, even though the doctrine is quite different. But there are some formal, um, there appears to be some formal connection. They've made a case for that. As I said, Madhavinda Puri. So, nice to be with you all. What time is it now? It's 11.30. So, we stop there, huh? And we're going right. to get together again this evening. What time? Six, Six o'clock. Okay. Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Bhut Premanand.